This program is brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland. That was On Your Mind by Meg Mac. Hello, everyone. Didn't expect to see me here, I guess. Uh, my name is Stu. I know it's not the normal time. It's fine. It's all good. Uh, we've got a new show. We're going to try out a new show. We're called Drive at the moment, and we're just going to have a, a few things coming up. We've got a few exciting little bits. We're talking about Netflix. We're talking about the Dog Fest locally. We've got an LGBT, LGBTI expert coming in. It's a packed show today, honestly. We've got some important stuff. But first... I must go through the semantics. It's all fine. Uh, we've got weather, you know, all that basic stuff. You've got maximum 31 degrees, you know, minimum of 14 today. Currently 30 degrees. I can't believe it's 30 degrees. I don't believe that. Um, it's it's going to get quite cold, though. Uh, so rug up. It'll be a good time. Uh, it's all a good section. Now, speaking of Netflix, actually, conveniently enough, um, I was talking to a friend of mine, and they were saying that they can't do the Netflix, you know, password sharing anymore. That's pretty huge. I share with my friends. I absolutely, I sort of rely on it. We do it for a few other things, um, but Netflix are cracking down on it, and they've seen a bit of a uh, seen a bit of a dip in the listenership, sadly, and it was a dip in the users because of this. But it, I wasn't sure what people were thinking about it. But I've got Martina Controtis out there currently, and she's been talking to a few people. She's been having a bit of a listen, and oh, let's see what she had to say along with the general public. Okay, so uh, basically, I share my account with my girlfriend, my and two of my friends and uh, and uh, multiple devices that I've been using I've had the same time yeah. that's it yeah, it hasn't impacted me at all I only share an account with my parents so there's only like four of us using it yeah, yeah, and do you think that it's um good that Netflix are possibly implementing our crackdown on password sharing? I'm going to get in trouble but I think it's a good idea yeah yeah. Interesting. Thank you. Um, and what do you think of Netflix crackdown on password sharing? Um, well, I don't have Netflix, but I have Foxtel, and if that sort of spreads to other platforms, then I, th I think I would be concerned. At the moment, um, I share it within my family, not outside of that. Share my accounts with my mother and father, um, and they watch it at their house, and I've got my password for my account uh, at my home. So yeah, I can see Netflix is uh, cracking down on that, but it's going to make things difficult. But I guess then those people need to shell out the monthly fee to enjoy Netflix. So I can understand why they're doing it. Um, so with Netflix, if it's getting paid, I reckon it's not really an issue. Like if people want to share their passwords, I get the security type part of it. But at the end of the day, if people enjoy the streaming network, then it shouldn't be that much of an issue type sense. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you do in your own home? Um, it's basically like I pay for the Netflix and I'm like, oh, here's the password, you guys look. Because like, I'm willing to share in the household and some people are willing to share with their friends and like, it's not really something you should crack down on. Uh, my house, I pay for like Disney and Amazon, whereas like my parents pay for Netflix, we kind of share it that way. In terms of the crackdown, I don't know how much it will affect us really, because in our family we all kind of live in the same house at the moment. So Netflix is not going to hopefully not crack down on us. But, um, I don't think it should impact me too much. Well, that's actually a fair point. I hadn't thought about that. You know, multiple households sharing the same thing. That's a good point. Thank you, Martina. That's actually quite insightful. Um, coming up next, though, we've got some Felicity Myers. Uh, so we've got a student, an LGBTQ plus advocate coming around, and we're going to have a talk to her later on. Uh, but right now we've got, uh, we're going to have uh, Dogfest. Dogfest is an absolute cracker of a time. But, well, I'm not going to head in myself. Uh, we've got some local boys. Reality Check, Please, by Lime Cordial. It's a fun time. It's absolutely a fun time. 
Thank you for sticking with us. You're listening to Phoenix Radio. We love a feel-good tune. Reality Check, Please, by Lime Cordial there. Now, uh, as you know, uh, the general consensus is dogs are pretty cool. I like dogs. I grew up on a farm. We had Border Collies and Kelpies. They were pretty good. Um, they're always very energetic, always a good bit of fun. Um, but, yeah, I've. It's obviously I'm not the only one who thinks so. There's a dog fest currently that goes around uh, Ipswich, Brisbane, that sort of area. And currently I'm talking to Dr. Sharon Rundle-Teeley from Griffith University to talk about it. So I just wanted to say... Hello, Sharon. How are you? Very well, thank you, and thanks for having me today. Oh, you're very welcome. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Um, now, Sharon, for someone who, like myself, is not really in the know, what's Dog Fest about? I'm assuming dogs. Dog Fest is entirely about dogs. So we bring a whole festival together for a one-day spectacular event so that people can come along and just enjoy what it is to have dogs. Um, people in my team tell me they've seen every breed of dog and every type of dog and they try and go around to see all the different levels of dogs. Um, Some are tiny, like little chihuahuas, and others are like huge. And at the Logan Dog Fest, someone said, that looks more like a horse. Um, So we have confirmed for May 7, our next uh, dog fest, which will be held at Ipswich. Um, We've got like 45 different stall holders, so people can come along and they can actually buy things from food, um, yeah. actually like accessories for their dogs. So, so, you bring, so you can bring your own dog to the show sort of thing. It's like an, an yeah. interactive show, I suppose, in a way. Absolutely. Like it's a day that's just for everybody. It's not just for the people. It's actually for their dogs too, to come out, celebrate being social. Like we run competitions, best hmm. dressed, best trick. Um, so those that have actually got some pretty talented pooches, it's nice. super fun watching what some dogs can do. Very cool. Well, Sharon, I, I needed to ask, because I saw, that obviously, you're a doctor from Griffith University. Why is a university professor involved in a dog, like a dog sh- uh, dog fest, dog show? You know, it seems a bit left of centre, but I'd love to hear why. Oh, totally, yeah. No, it's very much a part of a bigger project that we're actually involved with, which is all around protecting koalas who are endangered here in southeast Queensland. Right. And, like, Dogs that sleep inside at night can't chase a koala when it comes down from a tree and crosses a backyard. Um, And dogs that are well-trained, like we can actually train dogs to completely avoid wildlife. Um, So there is a little bit of a serious side to what we do, um, but we worked with community years ago to actually develop this idea and people told us, it's like, we don't want our dogs to harm wildlife. Mm. Um, A lot of dog owners don't want their dogs just running off and not coming back. Well, exactly. Um, That's 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 a common problem. I was about to say, I used to live in the country and that happened all the time. The dogs would just run off and then there'd be foxes and about and all that sort of stuff. So it can be a problem. And they can get themselves into trouble and, and none of us really want that when you look at um, I think it was only yesterday on the news, like a, a dog that had bitten a child and mm. the owner sort of faced that I might have to put it down. It's a pretty sad story. Yeah, that exactly. You never want to resort to that sort of stuff. Want. Yeah, well, no. exactly. Fair enough. Um, well, actually, to that point, though, I was about to say, uh, as much as I love dogs, I'm always a dog person. I'll cop that. Um, my partner wouldn't. If she was here, she'd be fighting me on this. But I'm curious, why why not do cats? Why, why is there no sort of event like this for cats or other pets like birds, for example? That's a really good question because I think a lot of what we do, I think the community out there, we've actually run a project for cats for one of the councils and other members in my team here at the university. Um, Cats can be trained and I didn't know that before that particular project. Um, I always felt that cats were sort of, you know, very different from dogs. Mm, Mind of their own. It's amazing what you start to understand what animals can actually do and the more we get better as humans at understanding them, 
the better we are at reading, uh, the, the happier they're going to be. So just reading their body behaviour and understanding the language of a dog or a cat, um, we can make a big difference and, and that can protect wildlife and we can all live dare I say, happily together. Yeah, as well as we can all coexist, I think. I think that's the best way to look at it. You know, dogs and humans are like, dogs and cats are like, I suppose it's the old adage, but, you know, we're all we're all just living on this beautiful big earth. Uh, Sharon, thank right. you so much. I really appreciate being able to talk to you. So, Dog Fest, when exactly is that on? Uh, it's going to be held on Saturday, May 7th. Saturday, May 7th. Well, I'll put it in my calendar. Yeah, thank you. Thank Google you. it online. You'll be able to look it up and register and tell us that you're just coming along for the day, but... No pressure, and we'd just love to see you down there. <laughs> Very cool. Thank you, Sharon. I really appreciate that. No problem. Bye. All right, Tara. That was awesome. That was a good time. I really liked it. Uh, so I reckon uh, next up, sorry, we've got a whole bunch of stuff on. We've got a whole day. Um, actually, speaking of next, we're going to be talking to uh, Evan Willis, which is the Springfield Lake State School principal about air cons, stuff like that. Anastasia Palajay had a whole initiative go. You're about to hear more of it. But right now, you're about to hear Lean On Me, Radio Edit. Radio Edit by Big Mountain Band. I love this song. It's actually very good. But you're listening to Phoenix Radio. It doesn't sound the same without people here. Anyways, Phoenix Radio. I think you said boom, boom, boom. I'm not sure. No, I don't know. Boom, boom, boom. Out here, brothers. It's kept Lean On Me. I was That was my fault. Butterfingers. All good. Um, but... Bear in mind, I'm, I can worry about the song that I chose later. Um, I just want to stay as a start. When I was in school, which wasn't too long ago, but when I was in primary school, our primary school had one aircon in one room, and that was it. We had to fight for it, and it was at one computer lab, and every time, it'd just be like it was around the summertime, all of the classrooms would fight for it. All of us would. We'd just be like, oh, yeah, we're, we're keen to go, you know. We are absolutely, like, fanging to get this, you know. We really wanted it. Um, and But that was, that was, I don't know, years and years ago. Not that I'm that old, I suppose. But today, not a problem because Anastasia Palajay has announced recently that every single classroom in every single state school in Queensland has aircon. Can you believe it? That's pretty cool. I wish I had that when I was in primary school. But it's not just me rambling about my history. I've got uh, Springfield Lakes State School Principal Evan Willis here to talk about how it's affected his school, students, staff and parents and even himself. So I'm just, uh, just happy to have a chat with him. Evan, hello. Hello, thank you for having me. You're very welcome, Evan. How's your day been? Not too bad. That one room that was air-conditioned, I'm surprised it wasn't the principal's office. Oh, well, it might have been. We were never allowed in. I hope it was. I mean, they probably wouldn't have told us out of sheer bitterness and jealousy from four-year-olds. <laughs> I digress. Um, so, oh, well, actually, to that point, when you were a student, did you have aircon? Like, was this a, is this a relatively new concept, I suppose? I do say I'm a lot older than you, and certainly <laughs> no. Maybe. Certainly no. <laughs> No, fair enough. That's all right. Um, we can share in this in this pain together. Um, so, with your obviously, considering you didn't have that growing up, what's your experience with classrooms having no air conditioning? Or was did you just think it was normal? What do you think? I think it was probably deemed as being normal in the day, but increasingly now we walk into air conditioned shopping centres and movie theatres. It's become the norm. It's become expected. So. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, the transition to having all classrooms fully air-conditioned was probably a, a timely one. And yes. Was, it was going to happen, but it's uh, it's very nice for the kids to come to school and be able to work in comfort. 
Well, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that, working in comfort. I was going to say, considering that the state of the students' learning is now a little bit more comfortable, do you reckon this has had an impact on the students' learning? Like, are students getting better grades? Are you noticing more attentiveness? Are you noticing, you know, less slacking? You know, because I'll admit I was in high school. I was a slacker. You know, we all had a phase where we slacked. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, have you noticed students improving? I think what we would say is that there's increased engagement throughout the day. You know, coming back in after lunch, it's, yeah. it's a place to get back into a classroom, particularly if you're engaged in a hellish game of touch footy on the oval or an intense netball game. You want to get back into a, a classroom where you're comfortable. So I do think we see increased engagement uh, after lunch breaks. Mm. And, and I think that engagement leads to a lack of disruption, if you like. Well, so, true. Uh, that's that's a fair yeah. point, except for a red food day. I remember when we had red food days, it wouldn't <laughs> matter what you did. We just wouldn't pay attention. I digress. Yeah, point true. point being, um, well, considering the students, have the have the staff or the parents had anything to say about it, I suppose? Have this improved for the staff? Because they've got to be in these same rooms, you know, all day, every day as their job. I'm sure hopefully that would have improved for them. Absolutely. I think parents for a long time have worked out that, you know, we've had PNCs run a thousand sausage sizzles and fates mm. to try and generate the, the uh, income to air-conditioned schools in their own right. Um, but to have it centrally coordinated, you know, obviously it's a lot more economical when you can do bulk purchasing, etc., for the department. So mm. it's taken a lot of stress off PNCs and parents that were concerned for their kids. And, um, you know, it's been greatly appreciated by staff because, you know, just like the kids, they, they go out on duty and they stand in the hot Queensland sun and, and teacher aides, etc. So to come back into a comfortable environment has been well received by students and staff. Well, beautiful. I, I was actually about to say something about the PNC as well. It's interesting you say that because I thought necessarily, you know, PNC sausage sizzles fundraising. So the PNC doesn't have to do anything specifically as such. They just sort of have to, they get the money. Do they have to like implement it or is it their responsibility to sort of put it in or has the government done everything? Yeah, no, the government's done it through the schools and our business managers carry a, a huge amount of workload in that space. So uh, in a school, the business manager liaises with facility services and, um, as you say, the, the government has provided for us. So it's become a much more seamless process. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Evan. That's that's pretty much addressed everything I wanted to think about. I, I just, I'm just envious of kids these days, you know. Not that I'm that much older than them, but I can still be envious. It's fine. It's all good. Thank you, Evan, for give, having the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a great week. You too. Thank you very much. Well, that was awesome. That was a good time. I'm absolutely keen for that one. Um, next up, we have got some interesting stuff. We have got a PT, Stephen Pocock, on the line to talk about dieting and diets and helping maybe me with my diet because I struggle with it. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's fine. We're not going to worry about that. Uh, right now, we've got Rihanna, Take a Bow, and I hope it plays the actual song I want this time. It's fine. Here on Phoenix Radio. But I don't want it to be over, Rihanna. That was very entertaining. Music puns. All right, I'm going to stop now. Um, we continue on with our show of Drive. Um, and I say to you, friends, dieting's a heck of a thing, isn't it? I can't do it. Dieting, I'll say that. I've got a weird accent. Um, I struggle with it. It's it's hard. Fast food, you know, home delivery, that sort of thing. The allure of it is quite potent. You know, it can be a bit, you know, a bit too much sometimes. I struggle with it. It's fine. Hand on my heart. I struggle with it. But... We need help sometimes. I know I do, but that's why I've got Stephen Pocock here. He's a renowned and popular PT in the Brisbane area, and he's about to tell us how, like, what struggles he has, say, for example, because he's a vegetarian, and what struggles he might have with that, and how to help those who are struggling, like myself, uh, to enter into this world of health and dieting. Now, Stephen, hello. Hello, 
Stuart. Hello, listeners. How are you? Very well. I can't speak for the listeners, but I'm all right, at least. So I, I'm yeah, hoping well. listeners out there are enjoying themselves, I suppose. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for coming, Stephen. Now, I'm going to start with a, a flat-out question, just to be honest. Um, how easy or difficult do you think it is to maintain a, a healthy diet when, you know, fast food and home delivery is a thing? How hard do you reckon that is? Difficult. It is very difficult. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Most, most modern fast foods, in fact, all fast foods, are highly processed, they're mm. highly refined, they're low in fibre. They're, they're superfoods in a word, but in a bad way. They, they have so many calories, kilojoules, sugars. It, it really is tough to try and eat responsibly on that sort of diet. Yeah, well, for, for, to that point, because definitely, I'm not speaking for myself, because I totally know I'm absolutely, what's a superfood? <laughs> Oh, well, when I say superfoods, it's, uh, it's just, that, that's a bad way. I mean, that it's just high in, in so many calories. The body mm. wants to take in as much calories and as much sugar as we can because that's, that saves us for the next famine, but they're just so high in, in calories. We crave them, mm. we eat them, and then we're, we're not full. Well, exactly. You know, you can eat, you know, eat and eat, and eat to your heart's content, but, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it won't necessarily get you all the way there. Fair cop. Um, well, t- you can eat lots of, lots of food that are high in fiber, mm. you know, whole foods that are unprocessed. You can eat lots and lots of those and not put on weight. But when you have so much, uh, so much energy in one little dense unit, it makes it hard. Well, exactly. And this will show how much I know. The only f- food I know that's like super high in fibre that isn't terrible for you is bread. So that might speak volumes of how little I know. Oh, yeah, the people sort of bread too. <laughs> well, uh, well, you can never go wrong with some, some nice bread, I suppose. Anyways, I, I digress. Um, with all the, So you've, there's a bunch of different diets out there. So you've got like paleo and keto and so, so many, right? Pescatarian, et cetera. Um, do you think, and this might be a bit of a complicated question, do you think it's too confusing for people like me, sort of new exploring, new to exploring their health, do you think it's difficult for them to access? Yeah, absolutely. Because, because there are so many fad, and I'll call them fad diet, mm. um, you know, they, they'll work, they'll work for a time, mm. whether they're good for your health, you know, you, it's one thing to lose weight, but you also need to be healthy when you do it. So um, I think people tend to push them to sell books, to help their streaming service. Yeah. Um, you know, they, uh, you've got to take into account lifestyle. You know, uh, being a triathlon like you are, mm. you'd need a bit more than someone that was sedentary. So you've got to take into account who you are and uh, and what is the right thing for you. Mm. And that's where I, I suggest getting a, a professional nutritionist, dietitian, mm. um, to, to pick out what you do. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not like there's no one panacea, there's no cure-all out there, you know. And it, there's so much information that is never necessarily covered, like how long do I do it for, how much do I eat, portion sizes, I don't know. So it's all, it's it goes a bit over my head, I'll be honest, but that's why I rely on professionals to do it for me. Well, uh, if I could plug a website um, that, I, that I really like to use, um, Professor Claire, Claire Collins, she's a professor of nutrition and dietetics at the Uni of Newcastle, right. uh, she does a, a page called No Money, No Time. Right. Um, and you can put in as, as simple as I have a microwave and I want to make a meal in five minutes and she'll have a recipe for you telling you how much it costs. So for those that are time poor, like all of us, um, probably worth a look at. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I'll definitely have to have a look at it. Awesome. I'll, I'll give it a give old squeeze. Um, so to that, to that point, though, I was about to say, so you're a vegetarian, correct? Correct. So right. I, I will say, and because uh, I've had friends that have gone from, I suppose the term I'm going to use is meat eaters to vegetarians, and I'm not sure if you're the same, but is there any allure or is there any like temptations where you sometimes think, 
Man, I wish I could eat something else, you know, like, or, or do you strict, like, is it a moral thing? What's, what's your background with vegetarianism? Well, with, with me, it's moral. I, and I watched a movie called Game Changers by um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jackie Chan and Lewis Hamilton. Nice. And it was the, the vegan lifestyle and I stopped eating meat after 55 years of eating meat. Wow. Uh, I stopped that night um, where my wife is a, a vegan. She actually progressed from pescatarian to vegetarian to vegan to whole foods vegan. So She's had the whole me, spectrum. It, yeah, and, but she took time. Where me, it was, um, it was a simple cold turkey thing. Once I saw that video... It changed. It's it's about animal um, welfare for me and the environment. So that's the reason I changed. If if they bring cell based meat in, which they're talking about doing, I'll eat meat tomorrow. But it um yeah, it's just a, that's what happens for me. Yeah, fair enough. I was about to say yeah. I, I I can't imagine. I I enjoy meat too much. Fair enough. Obviously, vegetarianism. I I enjoy meat. I shamefully hand on my heart. You know, I'm having a lot of confessions today. I'm sad. Um, no. There's lots of all things. Exactly, exactly right. Well, Stephen, thank you. I feel, consider me learned, 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 whatever. No problems at all, Steve. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you, Stephen. I really appreciate that one. Um, that should be all good. Hope you have a wonderful day. All right. Much appreciated, Stuart. Thanks for your time. You're very welcome. Speaking of time, we've got a timeless classic here. We've got an absolute timeless classic. We've got When Doves Cry by Prince. What a classic. Stick around. I was about to say, hold on. I want to hear this first little bit. You can hear it. It's coming. Oh, Lord, it's coming. It's going to be a good time. Anyways, you're listening to Phoenix Radio. Enjoy. When Doves Cry. What a classic. Absolute bangers here on Phoenix Radio only. Now, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I should say, and in between another and etc. because that's the point of this segment. Um, I've got a lovely friend here, Felicity Myers. Now, Felicity, I wanted to say hello. Hello. How is things? How's life? How's Very living? Good. Yeah. Excellent. Good time. Um, I've just realised I'm dumb. Say that again. Sorry, you weren't on it. I didn't press the button. That's my oh, bad. That's okay. Good. Hi, Felicity. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's me being a, a gumbo, not pressing buttons. Um, yeah, it's it's honestly uh, it's a time. I was about to say I I'll proudly say I'm an ally, but mm-hmm. I'll admit that I'm not sort of part of the LGBTQ LGBTQ plus. There's community. a lot of letters. <laughs> it's it's a tongue twister. I feel like I need to practice it, you know. Um, but I definitely definitely an ally. I want to stress that just to be very important. So when I say this. As being an ally, I'll admit, I feel like I'm not the most educated. Mm-hmm. I'll put that That's hand on my That's what I'm here heart. for. It's all about, like, today's a lot of confessions for myself. I'm not <laughs> going to lie. I'm realising that a lot of things are not going how I expected. But it's fine. We're all good. I've got some questions for you here. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy. So, I've got, for example, how would you describe the progression of same-sex couples since... Oh, uh, yeah, so there was same-sex marriage. There was the marriage amendment mm-hmm. in 2017. I voted yes. I'm assuming pretty much everyone here listening voted yes. Do what you I want. Hope so. vote. Yes, no, I hope so too. <laughs> Um, how do you think things have progressed since then? Mm. In a, in a, I realise it's a sort of broad question. That is a very broad question. Mm. Um, definitely I think that event was very pivotal and sort of paved a way for sort of LGBT people being more represented nice. in culture and in society. And I think with that marriage equality, it was finally the community were being talked about on that wide level. And I think it got a lot of sort of non-people who aren't a part of the community talking about it and I think that has led a way for the community being represented in things like the media and television just being talked about in general and I think we're becoming a lot more a normal 
part yeah, of society it's, it's, per se. It's the, the normalcy even though that's of a it horrible is... thing, like way to put it, well, but that well, is sort of what is well, yeah, becoming, it's... and that's I think really important well, that we are just becoming. Agreed. It's just it's mm. not becoming a secondary thought. It's not becoming something that is you know it's considered secondary or you know tertiary to something mm. that already exists. It's all just one net society, yeah. which is the overall goal for just everything. Everything, everything really. absolutely. Um, well, to that point, I was going to actually mm. ask with this community, like with the LGBTQ mm. community, and like you know, and that's yeah. To use the term very loosely, the community at large as it stood before then. Um, do you reckon the whole community has embraced these changes, like uh, enabling LGBTQ plus people to speak more freely? Like, you know, say, for example, you sort of hear people like, say, for example, if there are two gay men, you say if you hear them refer to each other as their husband more mm. often than their partner. And, you know, the same for, you know, uh, gay women. Um, do you reckon these changes are like happening positively around the community? I definitely think so. And things like that with being more inclusive of language, I think it's, again, becoming just a normal thing. Mm. People feel comfortable to say that, who like, who they're dating and who they're married to. And yeah. it's n like there's not that shame anymore or that having to hide sort mm. of who they are. And I think definitely marriage equality did sort of lead to people feeling more confident and able to be more themselves. So I think when you see people freely talking about that, that's kind of why, just because... Yeah we can sort of be more open exactly about and who we are which is amazing yeah, and that's that, sort of that where we want to go yeah well, exactly i can't imagine i'd like i can't imagine a situation where people are just thinking no i can't i don't know why people voted no that's just me hand on my heart <laughs> i don't represent usq's views in this won't i'm just saying Stuart. yes good um so say for example i oh, actually um so you've got for example there are cultural shifts as this mm -hmm. is happening. So people are progressing, that people are thinking about this more often, right? Mm -hmm. Which is good. You want to get it into the limelight. So say, for example, movies, writing, you know, books, you know, screenplays, etc. Do you reckon the amount of the, in the inclusivity, is the word I'm going to use, mm -hmm. has increased or improved since this has happened, at least in an Australian setting? I couldn't personally say for America. I have no idea. I'm not too sure about America either, but <laughs> I'll talk Australia-wide. I definitely think there has been a big shift in representation. Like I think to back sort of before 2017 when I was growing up, mm. I did not see many queer people in films, on TV, in books at all. And for me, that was a big thing because you don't really get that validation that mm. it is okay sort of to be who you are. And I think now going into a shift where there are openly queer people in, you know, industries like film, music, even children's books now are in, like being inclusive of that. And I think that's leading towards sort of generations growing up where this is just a completely normal thing yeah. and it sort of validates them that it's okay to you know, be who you are, and well, I think that's where the shift is taking us. Well, exactly. That reminds me. I was in um, I was in high school not too long ago. I'm still for spring chicken, thankfully. <laughs> um, but when I was in grade twelve, around 2015, I was about to say there was a friend of mine that came out because we lived in a small country town, um, mm. and he came out as gay, and he was worried that the backlash, the community backlash, would be quite severe. So it's glad to know. It, even but this was obviously before the same sex marriage, and it wasn't as talked about, I mm. suppose, because it's still progressively getting better each year, thankfully. But because this happened in 2015, he was still a bit and sort of nervous about it and i reckon i reckon there's probably a lot of people out there possibly even listening that are still struggling with it do you have any advice or words you would say to them mm. firstly i just want to comment that the whole idea that we have to come out is kind of yeah it's ridiculous. a bit weird like, it is a bit weird now the, that i think the about pressure it. that is on it for someone to have to say like, like, like who to, they're attracted yeah, to yeah, like there's a friend of mine I, and I, I won't i won't name him but he hasn't even come out to his parents and like i've i've known him for years and he's mm. he's obviously come out you know to yeah. his friends but it's been such a hurdle for him and it's, it's just like he still can't tell his parents or grandparents because mm -hmm. he thinks he'd be ostracised. And the fact that you can't even just admit this part of yourself, it's like not admitting...
admitting you like a food, for example. It's mm-hmm. just why? It doesn't make I don't sense. Know. I don't know. So anyway, there's so much pressure on mm. people to come out per se. Yeah. Um, and obviously there are sort of reasons for that if you are sort of in a family or maybe a culture that doesn't really accept it as much. There are reasons sort of for your own well-being that you might not want to come out. Mm. Um, I just think if you are on sort of that end of it and are worried about it, just know that, you know, everyone in the community is so loving and Mm. supportive and are so ready to, you know, welcome you with open arms and, like, there shouldn't be that worry that people aren't going to accept you because once you do step outside, say, that bubble that you're in, you realise the world is actually quite yeah. an acceptive well, exa- and inclusive place. So. Exactly. It's it's the real like the real world out here is nothing like my small little country town that <laughs> exactly. I grew up in. So it's, the, the disparity is huge. Mm. Um, but what I will say, finally, is um, if you could personally say, for example, major stepping stones and major hurdles that still need to be made, what do you reckon are the big ones in your, in your eyes? Mm. Well, one big one for me is discrimination of LGBT people in religious schools. Mm, there was that um, yeah, city point. I actually went to that school. Really? Yes, I no did. Way. Yeah, I kind of yeah, shared that... what they did on social media and it kind of mm. led to... Oh, that was you? Mass- yeah, that was me. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a celebrity. So... <laughs> like, Jeez. <laughs> Flattered. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's probably a big issue that I'm quite passionate about is because, you know, we talk about all this inclusivity that's happening sort of outside those walls. But there are lots of schools and religious institutions where they're getting away with Mm. discriminating against young people especially. So that's Mm. probably a massive thing that does need to change going into the future. But, you know, outside of that, (laughs) the world is starting to become a better place. Progressively, yeah. Slowly Mm. but surely. But, yeah, there are definitely sectors like that where it's not Mm. progressing how it should. Yes. Well, at least we can at least thankfully say these days it looks on the whole, hopefully it's on the rise of just positivity, awareness Mm. and just acceptance. Absolutely. We're all good. Felicity, thank you. Thank you. You're an absolute darling. Um, Thank you. Felicity will hopefully be back next week. Yes. Excellent. (laughs) Good stuff. Alrighty. Um, Felicity, there's a thing I do, because this is the last segment Mm -hmm. of our little special news show drive. There's a thing I do. This might not happen next week, but just because I do it. We Mm -hmm. always say Phoenix Radio together. So when I say, now I can dance by Tiny Arena's playing up next, thank you all for listening. The time is 4.50.35 p.m. And our show is over. You've been listening to, and we'll say together, three, two, one, Phoenix Phoenix Radio. Radio. See you guys.